This is a series, a series for financial advisors. We offer easy to implement marketing and practice management advice. This is the Stephen and Kevin Show. Welcome back, everybody. Episode number 112 of the Stephen and Kevin Show. Today, we're talking about advisor branding in three different components, and we're excited to get into those today. Yeah, we're going to start talking a little bit about naming what that process could look like and the situations where it might make sense for a financial advisor to select a new name. We'll talk a little bit about logo design, what's appropriate, what makes sense for an advisor when it comes to a logo. And then finally, we'll talk a little bit about brand guidelines. So we know there's a lot that can go into branding. Yeah. And and most of us only think about it like once a decade. True. You know, you, you, you're kind of comfortable with your company name or your logo or your color scheme, and you don't really think too much to change it until it's egregiously bad, or it's like there's something really pressing. And we'll right. talk about some of why people go through uh, rebranding efforts. I mean, obviously, if you're just starting out, you come up with all of this stuff from scratch. Uh, but there are other times where maybe you're more established, you've been in the business, and maybe it's time to freshen things up, both name, logo, color scheme, any of those uh, can make a big difference in how people perceive you. I think it's exciting. I mm-hmm. think it's a fun process. Um, I think it can reinvigorate your brand a little bit if you feel like things have gotten stale. But I don't know if it, you know, and obviously we do this at Oxley for a number of financial professionals. I think it's some of the most fun, creative work that we do. You know, what's interesting to me is I think it's really fun and creative when you're working on it for someone else, but it's, even, it's so much harder when you're doing it for yourself. Definitely. You know? You're so tied into it of, you know, your company name. Uh, it's one thing if it's your last name, wealth management, right? Right. Uh, but if, it, if if you're changing to something maybe more modern, something that's a little bit more descriptive, that's a hard thing to settle on because it reflects you as a person. It is hard. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not easy. I remember when we went through a little bit of it, and it's funny because we used to be the Oxley Institute and we just went to Oxley and we kind of got rid of the and Institute. And I remember we got some messages from advisors that are like, why did you do that? Well, we did it for a number of reasons. One, it, we felt like it freshened the brand up a little bit, but also we were getting messages from people like Institute. What does that mean? You know, and it just felt like, how do I get admitted? How do I get admitted to your Institute? Right. And it didn't really reflect who we were as a company because your company evolves over time and things change. Right. So we, we felt like we needed that. We also needed to refresh our logo and we went through that process and that was a lot of work too. Um, you know, fonts change, preferences change. Um, sometimes you have something that looks really modern. And then like you said, Stephen, 10 years later, gosh, it looks old and outdated. And you need to refresh in things. And things are different than they once were with regards to logo. I remember, I think I've been through three or four Oxley logos here. Mm. And in, in some of the earlier ones, it was like, we called a graphic designer and she would work on this logo and it was a few hundred bucks and she would give it to us and we would order new envelopes and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, and it was yeah. not you new know, stationary. Yeah. New stationary. That was a big thing. It, you know, maybe a new sign for the physical office location. Right. But nowadays the need for a variety of logo types and other branding assets, which we'll get into today is much wider because mm-hmm. of digital marketing. True. I mean, it has to be able to be used in a variety of places, more places. And so sometimes with these older logos that you'll find is all of a sudden you go to their Facebook page or their Instagram and you see their icon and you're like, wow, it's like the full name of the company and it's not even visible, right? So it has to be 
being it has to be able to be used in a variety of forms. So, so. Let's, let's walk through a few reasons why someone might go through a rebrand. And for some of you out there, if, you, if you've got, uh, maybe it's not that you're thinking of a new company name. Uh, maybe it is that you're thinking about revamping the logo and color scheme on your, your website. Mm -hmm. uh, why, why might somebody go through that? Yeah. I mean, first one would be an advisor who might be going independent, right? And they don't have any of that right now. Um, heretofore, maybe they were branded under the firm's name, right? And that's that was just their name at XYZ Firm. And now they're putting up, putting up their own shingle and they need to come up with their own name, logo, website, all, all of that stuff. And it all needs to look and feel really polished and professional. Yeah, that's the number one reason why we hear from people wanting Definitely. to go through a, a – it's not even a rebrand. It's a, a brand creation. That's right. And for the record, we have some fantastic clients both that are independent at the wirehouses, at banks. Yes, yes. We think – there's something to be valued at every one of in every one of those models. So don't take this as our push that people ought to be going independent. No, it is more uh, of uh, you know when do we see this happen? Well, yeah, if I've been part of this big organization now, all of a sudden I'm, I'm on my own. I've got to think through all kinds of things, including company name, what we value, what we provide to people, and what we look like in terms of branding. And it's not something that it's easy to take on yourself. It, it's some advisors do take it on themselves. And I'm sure they do a fine job with it. I've seen some others that don't. Um, and they're just, they just decide that they can do it themselves and it doesn't look right. So if you're going to do it, you want to make sure it looks right. The second one to me, in terms of reasons why an advisor would consider a rebrand is a really common one. And I want to explore it a little bit. And that's, we're moving away from a person's name. And I say that and I feel almost like a hypocrite because we're Oxley, right? Which is Matt Oxley. But, um, and we can talk about why we decided to keep that name just for the brand recognition of it. And also, I don't, I don't think it's that descriptive. Um, no, you know. and this is not a thing saying yeah. that if it, if it revolves around your name, you need to change it because you can look at some of the biggest brands sure. in wealth management and there's someone's last name. Right. So that that's perfectly okay. But we find that for some smaller shops, let's say it's, you as an individual advisor and maybe one or two team members, as you start to scale and you start to add other team members, it starts to make a little bit more sense to have it not named after you. Mm -hmm. uh, that, and that's that we do see from time to time. Yeah, I was meeting yesterday with um, an advisor that we actually went through a rebrand with, and I'm wearing right now um, some of their swag, right? This is Tomorrow Wealth, which we named logo, website, everything. You should check it out. Um, and he gave me this really nice... Uh, what is this, like a golf yeah, shirt? very nice. Yeah, I don't play golf, but it is, um, well, I mean, I can barely. What would you say? Um, but yeah, it's nice. Um, and I was asking him this question. I was like, hey, you know, why did you decide? Because heretofore it was named after himself. And he said things to me like, you know, we would get people who would come in. He had other advisors on the team and, and they would say, well, why can't I work with that person whose name is on there, right? And it just, that didn't seem right. He also felt like it, it started to feel a little bit egocentric in some ways, that it was just his name, right? And he he didn't like that. And he also wanted to build the legacy as well. And like it's something that can live beyond him. And that was a reason to move away from his name. Like if I'm a if I'm an advisor in the same area and I'm coming to join your firm, would you know, would I feel better about joining your firm and telling people I joined Tomorrow Wealth? Right. Or XYZ, you know, John Smith Financial. Right. Right. I, I feel a little bit more like I have some ownership in this. This is me part of a company more so than me coming up under someone else's umbrella. Yeah. Think about it outside of just joining. Think about it if you were going to buy mm -hmm. or to purchase. 
right? And now you're, you're purchasing, you know, John Smith Financial Group, right? As opposed to kind of a brand name that that's, has some clout over time that they've built up. Absolutely. Uh, there are other reasons. I mean, sometimes it's just time to freshen things up and you might want to modernize your brand by changing the name to something that's a little less uh, formal or rigid. Yep. Something a little more modern. Sometimes reputation management. I don't think that's many of you out there, but let's <laughs> say you've gotten some negative press for one thing or another. It, it might be happen. time for a rebrand. It could totally happen. So there's a lot of, there's a multitude of, of reasons um, as to why you might go about doing this. And, and think about this from where you currently sit. If you, if for you, there's absolutely no reason to change the name of your firm, then forget some of that uh, area of what we're talking about. But for many of you, it may be past time to update your logo. Uh, and update some of the brand guidelines, which we're going to get to into as parts two and three today. Sure. Um, I pulled some stats, and, I, and it's funny because I pulled these stats, and, and I don't have necessarily the sources, but I promise you that these were pretty reputable sources. Because you got them on the internet? <laughs> uh, I, I'm telling you, I didn't. Do, I, I just don't have them on the paper in front of me. Um, a couple, a couple of stats that I found around branding. It takes 10 seconds for people to form an opinion about your logo. I would say it takes less than that. I, I mean, at 10 seconds, that seems like a long, a long time, but people make these snap decisions. Um, 82% of people believe that name recognition is an important factor in deciding where to invest, right? So it's important to put energy behind the brand. And there's some advisors who we talk to who say, well, I don't necessarily need that, right? It's just about me. It's about my relationships. And yes, this is very much a relationship business, but we also have to remember that people are looking you up. They are forming these snap judgments. I mean, same thing, looking at your website, looking at your logo, looking at the colors that you selected. Um, all of those things, I think, create this perception of either cutting edge, modern, someone that I could see myself working with versus, gosh, this feels outdated, right? This feels old. This feels antiquated. And that stuff matters. Yeah. And today we're talking mainly about brand creation. Like, what do you want to name it? How do you want it to look? Um and, and we could spend a whole uh, uh, separate episode on how to get that, how to make your brand top of mind for people out there. Sure. And it does matter. I mean, I think when, you, when you're looking at something that's as high stakes as wealth management, somebody's going to manage, uh, you know, our retirement savings, you want to make sure you're going with a fairly safe choice that you've heard about before. Yeah. And I think the more we spend time and energy on brand awareness strategies, letting people know that we're out there, we're reputable, the more when it comes time to make a decision like that, that they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of Tomorrow Wealth or, yeah, I, I've known of you guys. Right. You know, the, those kind of uh, brand building campaigns do matter. I, I'm in the process of getting some work done on our house. And as I'm looking at contractors, you do what most of us do. We ask around. You, know, you talk to friends of yours, real uh, realtors, um, you know, others who have had done, you know, worked done recently and sure. you start to compile a list. And as you start to work through some of these things, you certainly call people that you've been given the number to, but you also look up their web presence. Yes. And there are times where I'm like, well, this person, I pull up their site and I'm like, that looks like they do really high end work. Like they do a great job. You could probably, they're probably going to be expensive, but I bet they do a really good job. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side of it, you're like, well, this guy doesn't not have a website, period. Right. Right. Do I trust him to take on a bigger or long, you know, longer term project at my house? I don't, he could be fly by night. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And this is very much a parallel to wealth management in terms of big decisions. And you want to make a safe choice. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. And we all, again, are making these little micro decisions, looking at different things. Um, again, your, whether it's your website, your logo, your colors, all of those things really do matter over time. I also think from the advisor standpoint, you want something that you're really proud of, too. 
something that you feel good about that you want to put on a hat, right? That you want to wear around and represent a little bit as opposed to, yeah, I don't even, I, and, and I think I see that more where it's like the logo is really outdated. Gosh, it hasn't been updated in 20, 30 years and they're not that eager or excited to show it off. I think it was you, Kevin, that showed me a post a while back about how logos have transitioned over the years. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just, it's not as if everything created back then, you know, 20, 30 years ago was a bad logo. It's just styles have changed. Sure. Like haircuts change, like wardrobe, you know, things are in fashion now that weren't 20 years ago. It does. And then sometimes you can kind of bring it back, right? With a more retro feel. We're we're doing some of those type of logos now. Um, Anyway, but... We'll digress and we'll get into today's topic. And we're going we're gonna to start now with with naming because this is one of the hardest parts. I mean, an advisor we were working with said, this is like you're naming my baby. I was like, yeah, it is. It's like you're naming my child. And that's not easy to do. And it's also not easy to to separate yourself from when you're the advisor. Yeah. And, and by the way, gang, uh, you know, this episode is meant to be helpful for you as a listener in terms of how would you come up with your own name and your logo and your brand guidelines. This is something we've been doing a lot of recently. Uh, Not something we ever did in the first 42 years of this business. Right. But in the last three years, we've done an awful lot of it. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the observations that we're going to share with you today that'll help in your own thinking about some of these matters are ways for you to not start at square one in terms of coming up with a name of like, what should it be called? Cause that's really hard. Yeah. Right. You're thinking about competition that it might have, or you're thinking about uh, what really personifies, you know, us, our philosophy as a company. Sure. There's a lot that goes into that. So we're going to start by giving you some themes of uh, a different, like different styles of names that are out there. Yeah, exactly. And this is what we would work through with a client. Right. So we're going to start again with naming themes and, and we, what we would do with a client is go through a variety of different names and see which ones they like and don't like and where they're leaning. Um, but first off, there's traditional names, right? So this could be foundation, wealth management, right? I mean, they, it could be resource financial group, right? These are very traditional style names. Yeah. These are going to be ones where from a competition standpoint, there are plenty of them out there. Right. If it's a very traditional name, there's going to be a lot of people with that same company name, which may or may not bother you, but it's the reality. Can we talk about that for a second? I know we're just kind of riffing here, but it's very, very hard to find a name that no one has ever used before in any industry. Right. I mean, especially even in financial services. Right. It's 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 not easy to find a name that, oh, my gosh, nobody. This is wide open. So we're going to talk about modifiers later, like, you know, financial wealth planning, wealth advisors, right? That stuff is going to be really, really important too. But you have to decide how important is that? Is it, is it really important to you that no one else has this name? Because if so, you're going to be getting a little bit more obscure and, yeah, I and mean, you're not going to be in that probably this traditional camp. Yeah, well, think about this. Forget whether or not it's traditional or not from a competition standpoint. If you want it to be completely, completely unique, if that name has never been used before, it's probably for a reason. It's like, I mean, going back to your analogy, Kevin, about naming one of your children, if you try to pick a name for your child that has never been used before, their name is going to be a little bit off the wall. That's true. You know, and and I think uh, a little bit of overlap is is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about constraints yeah. uh, here, here in a minute. But in terms of themes, traditional, traditional. is one. Uh, it, modern is another. 
Tomorrow Wealth, spelled T-M-R-W, is a great example of uh, modern. I'll give you another one. Um, Frame. There was a we did a whole rebrand with a, a, a group called you know Frame Wealth, which mm-hmm. modern. And by the way, that was one that was that was wide open. So yeah, so I mean, you're thinking about modern. It typically is very short. Yeah, you know, uh, abbreviated in some ways, but very short and sleek. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see some that are geographic. You have tons of these out there. Elm Street Financial, Triad Financial Group, Three Bridge Financial. There's so many of them that are geographic. Uh, emotional names. And so, so some advisors gravitate towards these. Some do not. Like Inspire Wealth, right? Um, Clarity Financial Group. Like, Prosper or something. Yes. Right? Th- uh, those are emotional names. And I, I, I dig those personally, but not every advisor is into that. Uh, some that are acronyms. Yes. You know, IBM, BMW, those kind of... Uh, not if you're financial services, but, <laughs> um, but, and, and then also, you know, mashups. So lion's head, right. It could be one or, I mean, it's, it's just, you're taking two words, you're combining them, you're putting them together. Those take a little bit more creativity and, and sometimes those are more open and easier to use because you'll find that no one thought of that mashup, right? I think we're mm-hmm. seeing a lot more of those as we do more and more branding work for financial professionals. So traditional, modern, emotional, geographic, acronyms, mashup. What you want to be thinking about if you're going through this process is where do I kind of lean? Am I more of that traditional? I need to keep it pretty simple. Do I want something modern and minimal and sleek? Like almost sounds like a tech company in some ways. You need to figure out kind of where you lean. Yeah, a lot of it is personality-based. If you're thinking about what's an appropriate uh, company name for me, let's say that you're uh, you're at the you're working at the you're at the beach, right? And you pride yourself on having a very laid-back, conversive atmosphere with clients. You wear flip-flops to some meetings. I'm being extreme here, but sure, you wouldn't have a super traditional name for that practice. No, you know, you might be Sea Breeze Capital or something. You know, you're not going to be something <laughs> super rigid. Yeah, exactly. So is it appropriate? Does it align with your target audience, your personality? You know, if you were to share that name with someone, would they say, oh, that makes sense, right? Competition. And we kind of talked about this. So now we're going to go through considerations for naming. Appropriateness is a huge one. Competition being another big one. Is it overused? How many people have used it? Um, You know, is, do you know, and, 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 Gosh, you know, as we give our opinions on this, like, please don't send us hate messages. Um, do you know how many summit financial professionals there are? There's a million. I, I bet, I mean, in terms of finding availability online like that, there's a ton of summit financial professionals. Now, I'm not saying that you can't use that at all. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there's a lot of competition if you want to go that route. Mm-hmm. Uh, pronunciation. Uh, again, hypocritical here because we are Oxley. Uh but you want people, if you're starting from scratch, you wouldn't name it something that is hard to get get off the tongue. Well, and that was one too. I mean, you, even from our standpoint, we would put the phonetic spelling a lot of times just yeah. to try and get to get by that. But yes, is it difficult to say? Um, I'm trying to um, think of an advice, one that we had looked up one time, like effervescent, right? Or something like, it was just, gosh, that's a lot. That's well, if you go to, to type that in as a URL, you're kind of second guessing, do I know how to spell this or not? And Mm-hmm. Uh, memorability, uh, you want it to be memorable. And I think when you get into some of the traditional names, they're not as memorable. I think the examples we gave of foundational wealth, I mean, some of those things, they just sound so, uh, you know, they've been used so much. Yeah. They're not a bad name, but no. it's not going to be super memorable. 
um, spellability. Yeah. It, like I said, effervescent. I, f- I have a hard time even pronouncing it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if I could spell that right now, just off the top of my head. Mm-mm. Could you do it? I don't think so. Let's see. Go. Kidding. E. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, spellability would be another one. Um, visual association. So as we're thinking about the name that you're selecting and we're, we're envisioning collateral material, website, all that good stuff, what kind of visual associations does that name conjure up? Yeah. Right. Yeah, because oftentimes you hear a name and you think of something immediately. Yes. Right? And if it seems a little bit like, I, I mean, I, I think opera, you know, optimistic is, is a good thing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, not like, you know, gray cloud wealth, you know, it's like, oh boy, that's... Uh, yeah, gray cloud, like you're just walking around with a cloud over your head all yeah. day, sad. Um, another one, URL availability big one, right? I mean, do you want a URL that's easy or do you want one that's filled with a bunch of hyphens? Do you're looking for a .net, right? Are you looking for a, I mean, that stuff, it does matter, right? If you can get a, a nice, easy to remember URL. You're going to be asked about the meaning of your name, especially if it's, I don't want to say obscure, but if it's not directly on the nose of foundation wealth management, there are going to be people asking you, where'd the name come from? Yes. What does that mean? Right. And even before that, you're probably going to have listed on your website somewhere, you know, the the origin story. Mm-hmm. So be thinking about that as you come up with the name. How will you explain that to someone? I love that. And that, that's something that we would work through with any client. We would call it, a, a, you know, developing a name story. It goes on the website, something that you can say verbally. And it might be that, you know, hey, we named it, this was a creek that ran through my family's land and blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, when you, I, I, when it has a really powerful name story, it just, it becomes more memorable um, for for people that you're telling it to. Mm-hmm. So those are all kind of considerations as you're thinking about the name. Now, are you always going to hit and, and nail every single one of those considerations? No, but we want to be thinking about them, right? We want to we want to make decisions that are informed based on some of that criteria. Now, there's two parts to most names. I mean, what we've talked about so far it's kind of the beginning part of most names mm-hmm. that would be origin or, you know, stone's throw. Yep. But then what comes afterwards? Financial advisors, wealth management, private wealth, all that, uh, you know, doesn't it, it not only gives some, uh, it, it does shape perception of what services you actually offer, but it does change whether or not domains are available and whether or not it's been overused in that exact format. Yeah, if it's, if it's a high competition name, then sometimes you have to dig deeper into modifiers. So modifiers being, like you said, Stephen, like, well, advisors could be one, asset management, associates, wealth advisors, financial partners, financial planners, financial group, where you have to start digging deeper and deeper if you have a name that's really popular. Absolutely. If not, sometimes if you have one, if you find one that you can use, I mean, sometimes what we're, we're, the trend that we're seeing with plenty of our clients right now, especially ones who go with more modern names, is something as simple as just wealth, right? Just kind of a one one word mm-hmm. wealth or advisors, trying to trying to keep it simple. And as we get into in just a moment, logos, simple is better with logo. Yeah. You don't want a ton of you know, language that you've got to work into something graphic. Yeah, exactly. Now I have a question for you, Kevin. Yep. If you don't mind. Uh oh. No. Uh, how do you feel about like as you're coming up with this name? socializing that name amongst your peers or clients or others, asking them for input before you finalized it? Yeah. So great question. How much feedback do you want? Because here's the thing. This is one that you're going to get a lot of opinions on. This is not something that 
I mean, well, ev- everyone feels like they have a perception here and they do, but don't get too many opinions. I, I think you try and keep this pretty close knit and maybe that's, it's any sort of business partners you have. Maybe it's a couple spouses, but you don't go and you start shopping this name to all these different people. You're going to get a million different opinions. Now, if you have a client who, gosh, I have a client who's really creative and has done a lot of brand work for, for maybe get their opinion, that's fine. But in general, too many opinions stalls the process and you never will come up with a decision. That's my- I agree. Perfect. It's kind of like baby names. Most of the time you don't socialize the baby name in advance and try to get everybody's input on it. I'll tell you, I I, I think I, I think I did tell you this story when I, we had this idea for, for naming Leo, right? Who's now nine years old. But Michelle and I were like, oh, we, we just like the name Jean-Claude. For some reason, we like that name. Um, Michelle had someone in her family with that name. So I go and I tell my dad, hey, uh, he's like, you know, this is before Leo's born. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, we're, we're thinking Jean-Claude is the name. And my, my dad was like, oh, I'll just call him John. I was like, no, no, no. He'll be Jean-Claude. He's like, no. And, and then he, he just like ruined this name for us. He was like, in the face that he made. I mean, you cannot tell someone a name. <laughs> a baby name especially, without them giving some sort of reaction, right? Good or positive. I mean, you can just tell instantly on someone's face. So don't shop it to too many people. You will never, ever make a decision, period. And John claude for the record, is a great name. <laughs> um, a couple other things I want to mention when it comes to naming, naming. Imagine yourself calling someone, answering the phone, and using the name. Hey, it's Kevin Nichols over here at Tomorrow Wealth, Right versus saying a name that's just way too long and you're like, wow, why would I ever, I I can never say that. I mean, how does it flow off your tongue? Do you feel confident if you were, another one would be if you're in a social situation and they say, what do you do? Where do you work? And you have to use that name. If you, you should feel really confident saying that name around other people. If not, it's probably not the right name for you. And sometimes, sometimes on paper or someone gets a creative idea and they're thinking, oh, that's the name for us. How does it sound when you're saying it out socially? How does it sound when you call someone? So. Yeah, I like it. And I, I mean, going back in a moment uh, on the whole idea of socializing this in advance, I mean, I do, I do think it's important to get a few people's input on it so you don't come up with something that sounds great to you, but a lot of other people are like, no, that's not. A few people. Yeah, but yeah. just not a ton. Just not too many. Because the other the other aspect of this is that it, it could take it could take a year to come up with a name. Yeah, you need to at least socialize it to one or two people who you know will be honest with you about things. Yeah. Like your dad, he's like, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you think he made a good choice. I think I gave you the same advice. <laughs> um, All right, cool. So you're thinking names. We, have, we gave you the different types of buckets that could go in. You're thinking modifiers, right? You're thinking socializing the name a little bit. We give you all the criteria that we would be looking for if we were trying to pick a name for you so that you could you can make the best decision possible. Yep. Let's talk about logos. Like when you see, uh, Kevin, by the way, is uh, a logo expert, I would say. Um, great at designing them. Loves it. And and we have people here too who are great at designing as well. Yeah. yeah. But I, I know it's a, you know, we all have certain things that we do day to day that we really like doing. And that's something if given a few, mon- a few moments uh, free time, you could design a logo, you have a little bit of fun with it. It's, it's, I think it's, again, some of those creative, most fun work that we're doing. Yeah. So like when you see one that you, you know, what, when you see a logo for the first time and it, it strikes you as needing to be redone, what about it signals to you that it needs to be redone? Well, I mean, 
there, there's there's so many criteria, but one of the first things would be, I guess a mistake that I see is a level of detail, like too much detail in the logo, because when it's 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 minimized down, it's not really legible. Doesn't mm-hmm. look right. I mean, I, I see that, and I see this with a lot of older logos that just had too much detail in them. That'd be a, a big one. Well, you think about use case nowadays too. It's in social networks or in your phone. There's only so much space available for a logo. Yeah, it's got to be a. It can't be a. It's not always going to be shown at like a two by three format. Sure. Yeah. It, well, ex- exactly. So that would be that'd be a really a big one. Um, you know. Also, is it appropriate? Like, how appropriate is it for the brand and the target market? Those are you know, sometimes you see something and you're like, you know, this looks like it would be a logo for, uh, I don't know, just a different industry in a itself. A recycling center. Yes, you know, it's or, like that's not appropriate. That doesn't yeah. make sense for a high-end wealth manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, those are probably the two biggest things. I got you. I, I do want to mention this around logos. And, and this is, I think this is a misconception is that the logo needs to, like, let's say I pick a name and I pick a name and it has a particular word in it. Maybe it has... I don't know, bridge in the name or something. That does not mean that I have to design a logo that has a bridge in it, right? The logo is an emotional feeling that you get when you see it, mm-hmm. right? It's not, I think sometimes, and I'm not saying you don't, you can't, but it doesn't have to be super literal mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And I think sometimes um, we have a tendency to do that and say, well, gosh, well, I know what this logo, it's like road, path, whatever. Oh, it needs to be a road, it needs to be a path. That's not necessarily the case. Most of the time, people don't even get the symbolism behind some of the things that we do. Yeah. So like at the end of the day, you really just want it to be a very, very good logo, but it can't be driven by some desire to have, I want you to bake in this element to the logo. Like I really need it to include this. And then you build everything around that one concept of, let's say that, uh, you know, you want the, you want there to be railroad tracks on it because that's where we are based and. Well, if that screws up the whole logo, most people aren't getting the symbolism anyway. Let's aim for a good logo. Agreed, agreed. And the um, again, the emotional feeling that it evokes when someone actually looks at it is it strong? Is it powerful? Is it, you know, is it cutting edge? Is it you no? Know, again, it's, it's just the feeling that you're feeling. Um, simplicity. We talked about that. Adaptability. I think we've said that in a number of times. Fonts, sizes. Uh, format sizes, color variations. You need a lot more than you used to. I mean, I think back in, I think back when I started at Oxley, we had a kind of like a, a version of the Oxley logo that was meant to appear on white. Yeah. And maybe one that was meant to appear on black. And that was it. That's all we needed. It was one size. It was called Oxley logo new in our shared folder at the time. Yes. And we used it all the time. Now, I mean, think of all the different placements. Let's say, for example, if you were running a Google, uh, you know, Google display ad, mm-hmm. they would say, Upload sixteen. I don't know the number. Yeah. Upload sixteen different variations of your uh, your yeah. assets here because they may appear on phone, tablet, uh, desktop, and yes. all. You know, you need that adaptability. Yeah, like you have to have it. The other thing that you're you're thinking about with the logo outside of just the icon component would be the typography that's going to accompany that. So you're going to go with serif, sans serif, slab. Like what what's going to go with that logo, and again, is appropriate for the business and the target market. Yeah, that's one of those things that I don't know enough about to weigh in and say, you're, you're, uh, I can tell when something's yes. wrong. Yes. You know, it's like, it, you know, I, I can taste a dish and know that it's, something's not right with it, but 
I wouldn't necessarily know how to tell you to fix it. Sometimes, same you, t- sometimes you'll tell me that. Like, I'll, I'll send you something and be like, hey, I'm working on this. What are you thinking? You're like, something's not right about this. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to change up the the typography, the, the the typeface that we're using. But I think that's one of the art forms is knowing which of the, uh, which type. Uh, I mean, I, I know like Arial and Times New Roman, <laughs> like most people, you know, we don't, right. we don't know a lot of different fonts. Yeah, exactly. Um, symbolism. This, again, this is another one. What icons are being used in the logo? Um, do they tell a little bit of a story? Do they re- reflect the brand's history? There, there's a lot of symbolism that can go in, into into logo design as well. Balance, proportions, timeliness. Is it going to last? Is it going to last? Right. Um, there's a book that I really want to get, and it's by a logo designer named Alan Peters, and it's called Logos That Last. And he's all. It's all about designing logos that or, or will stand the test of time. And I really want it. What are you doing? Saving up for it? It's no, I, I asked for it for, for Christmas from, from Michelle. And oh. she was like, oh, yeah, I got it. And, and she never got it. Oh. So I'm like, <laughs> hey, someone, if you want to send me that book. I'm kidding. Um, um, but again, there's there's a lot that can go into a logo design, picking something that you feel like makes sense for you. And if it's been a while, it might be time. And sometimes it, it's energizing. It's also energizing for team members. If you get them some swag with it, right? They're wearing it around. They feel good about it. They feel confident. Uh, I think there's it, it can give you a little bit of a burst of energy on your team. And that's exactly what happens. Like I, I can think of so many different instances lately where we've been part of a name and brand package yeah. and video where at the end of it, in comes the shipment of hats and shirts and cups. People are really excited about it. Oh, they are. Yeah. And um, and we can relate. You know, think of the difference this makes sometimes. So when we when we last did this with Oxley, we had color schemes that were like red and tannish gold red and gold i guess you would yeah. say the logo was that big swirly oh and yeah i don't know how she would describe it but when you think about going from that color palette and that logo to what we went to which was largely black and white with some pops of color that's right and very uh very basic uh text it was a big change for us it looks totally different yeah 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 i mean it, it is night and day difference and i'm not saying that's like the best branding out there no. but it just Perception-wise, when you see the before and after, you're like, whoa, that's way fresher. It is. Yeah, it is. And so it, I think it's, it's a great exercise to go through, and and it should be fun. It should be exciting. You want to you want to have a, a brand that you're building that you're really excited about. And if you don't, reach out to us. Yeah, all right. So uh, third part of this today, brand guidelines. What? Uh, why, why would you need this? Yeah, I mean, brand guidelines are, are there to <clears throat> kind of – create guardrails for the usage of your logo, typography, colors, all of that stuff. So that over time, right, you start creating some of this brand awareness and people can see, I mean, I mean, gosh, I mean, if you, if you, my, my six-year-old can tell you Starbucks brand, he can tell you, I mean, just by looking at colors, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can tell you McDonald's, like, I mean, he could do that when he was like three years old. Right. So like that stuff over time, it shapes perception because it's they have very strict brand guidelines around the usage of that logo. Yeah. Usage of the logo text or, or type typography to yep. use yep. color schemes that are appropriate mm-hmm. um, imagery and photography. There's there's a lot that goes into it. And the reason you get into this is that as your team grows and evolves, let's say you go from two people to 10 people and more people are involved in your your marketing. Yes. It's not only people in-house, it's vendors that you select. Everybody needs to be on the same page with how we want to be perceived in the marketplace. Yeah. And if we're all using 
slightly, you know, if, if we're all in interpreting what this brand is in our own unique way, we don't appear as, uh, I don't know, consistent online. Well, the consistency of the branding is what's going to help shape it and build that recognition over time, right? If you're reinventing your brand constantly, I think that's a problem. I, I don't know who it was, but someone told me um, a long time ago, and it might've been when I was working at, at Wrangler years ago, but it said something like, if you're doing branding right, it gets a little boring over time because you're really consistent with it, right? It's not like you're reinventing every every piece of collateral that you're creating. Yeah, and I think the more you put it on paper, the more everybody starts to get it. I remember at one point we had someone doing content here for Oxley, mm -hmm. and we would look at some of the posts, and we were like, that just, it's perfectly good, yeah. but that is off-brand. Yes. Right, that's just not who we are, like not who we've been, not who we are, it's good, but it's just not us. Like, yeah. let's stick within these parameters. If you hire a new website designer and you can give them your brand guidelines, they're going to be really happy with you as opposed to, because they know the usage, right? Again, they know the spacing around your logo. They know all of that kind of stuff. A lot of times when you work with bigger brands, you're exposed to people who've done this at the extremes. Mm -hmm. And you can look at the brand guidelines, which we get from most of the larger firms out there. And you're like, wow, they're really, they have a lot of attention to detail. Yeah, because they've learned over time, this actually makes the end product so much better. Yeah, it does. And and they and they truly care about it too. They stick to it. Mm -hmm. right? So hopefully today, and this is, I would say that today is like branding 101. There's other compo components um, that go into like a visual identity for sure. But when we're thinking about some of the most common things that we see advisors who, you know, are, are going through this process struggle with, it's naming, right? And it's, logo design, and then some other kind of visual elements as well, whether it's typography or whether it's color selection and so forth. Hopefully today you got a little bit of a head start on that if that's something you're considering.